Welcome to the Campus Christian Fellowship Podcast for the University of Iowa, Iowa State University, and the University of Northern Iowa. Hey there, and welcome back to yet another Food for Thought recap. So Food for Thought is a discussion we had on Monday night, and what we talked a little bit about this week was drinking psychology. Now, to, to clarify this just a little bit, what we initially talked about, what we wanted, uh, what, we, what I was intending to look at uh, was since we landed on dreams talking about the id, I wanted to, talk, to find a little bit more research about how your brain is affected on alcohol, specifically with the id. And what I found is that there's not a ton of research on there, at least not accessible um, in, in, a, in a very easy, convenient way. Uh, but, what, but there is a lot of still interesting stuff about drinking. So, uh, and I think there is still a really interesting point that actually is not drinking related, but it's brought about because of studying drinking uh, that I think we should take uh, a little look at. So first of all, we started talking about uh, about drinking and these are just some psychological facts, uh, um, sociological facts, things like that. But uh, we, I try, to, I try to ask the question, you know, why do humans enjoy getting drunk or why do humans enjoy drinking? And <clears throat> It's one of those things that I, I did find quite a bit of research on, and ultimately, I think it comes down to five different things. So, first of all, is of course some people just like the taste. Now, it's not everybody, and it's not uh, necessarily everybody likes everything that they taste, but they enjoy something about the taste, uh, uh, and so they continue to drink. Uh, another one that they have uh, that is very common is just personal experience. So, if you um, if, if you have had an experience with, with drinking and you had a good experience with it, because not every time you drink there's a bad experience, but if you've had a good experience drinking, then you know it's, it's nothing cautionary about the next time. You want another good experience. Another thing we talked about was that uh, personal experience but found out from others. So like when people drink and then don't remember their night, but everybody else is telling them about how much fun they were, about how happy they were, about how energetic they were, that takes place uh, a sort of positive psychological effects for us because then we see, well, I want to be more happy and I want to be more fun and I want to be more energetic. And so based off of if I can't remember it myself, but if other people tell me about how I was, then that plays into a fact as well. And the last two are this, uh, examples that we learn from others. I mean, think of how many times you're exposed to people drinking either in real life or on TV or in the movies or uh, or in songs or whatever. You're, you're const- we're constantly berated and exposed um, to, to examples of other people drinking. And a lot of times um, there are negative exam- examples, but there also are some positive examples. And, um, and that definitely imp- plays into a fact. If you can see somebody handling alcohol positively then you, and having a good time with it or having at least an okay time with it, then it makes you want to, um, to, to do that as well. Um, or even not even just in the movies or TV, but in real life, if you can see somebody else who is handling responsibly and doing well at it, then you know it gives you, you your brain sort of gives itself permission uh, to do that. And then the last thing is uh, is we want what we can't have. Now I say this this way just simply because the legal drinking age is 21, and so when you're told no for 21 years, like you can't have this, you can't have this, you can't have this, what it psychologically tends to do for us in our brains is that. 
we say, well, I've been told, I've, I've been told no and no and no. And I got to find out what's all this fuss about. And I'm sick and tired of being told no. Now that I can finally do it, I want to experience this. And it winds up being a pretty dangerous road, actually. I'm, I'm not quite sure that laws are are perfect in, in handling this. But also, I have no idea how I would change them because I do think that there needs to be a drinking age, but at the same time, if you've been told no and no and no for 21 years, it's a reason why people go binge drinking on their 21st birthday, why everybody celebrates that. It's a reason why why people tend to, especially once they turn 21 and you know, especially that 21 to 25 age, uh, it's a reason why they tend to overindulge in alcohol. It's just because they finally, nobody is telling them no because nobody can tell them no. So that's part of that. Uh, but what, we talked a little bit about what happens to your body when you're drinking. And of course, we go through a lot of these, these things. And a lot of you uh, probably know what this is about. But we talk about how your body can only metabolize one drink per hour. And, and after at more of that, you know, because uh, alcohol is a depressant, your neurons and your brain move slower, which means that the neurons that normally um, like help you help produce productivity um, they they slow down and so you actually wind up decreasing your overall activity and you actually have a, a decrease in your prefrontal cortex which is a lot of times you're like thinking and rational and decision making section of your brain and uh, of course chemically it, it, alcohol produces dopamine in the brain which is of course something that makes us uh, feel good it's it's a happy chemical um, you have miscoordination because of effects the alcohol has on your cerebellum. There's vomiting, nausea, blackouts, hypothermia, hyperventilation, cardiac arrhythmia, all of these different types of things. After six minutes, alcohol starts to, to become addictive. Um, and, and, uh, and the very last fact is that uh, alcohol doesn't make you forget, but it, it weakens your capacity to turn short-term memories into long-term memories or to even keep short-term memories in, in the brain. And, and similarly, uh, alcohol, alcohol um, use is an increasing risk factor for dementia later in your life. And all that is important information and it's all really, really interesting stuff to me, but there's something I think is a little bit more interesting and a little bit more um, uh, a little bit more food for thoughtsy. A little bit more. Let's let's talk about something and and apply something. So, I read I, I read this study and I was watching the study a little bit about about um, how different types of alcohol can affect our emotion, our emotions. And I thought that was a very interesting study because it's a question I never asked if you know if, if a different type of alcohol affects our emotions a different way. Now, of course, because different types of alcohol have different alcohol contents then we have different reactions to them you know so if something like everclear which is the highest form of alcohol that you can you can legally have in a drink is obviously going to have a, a more of effect than a light beer um so my thoughts were simply that it was just due to the alcohol content not necessarily due to the alcohol itself and the psychological study was done about about different effects that alcohol can have on the brain but not because of a different type of um, of level, but simply because of the type of alcohol that is made, because each alcohol is made differently for the most part, um, and, and each alcohol has different characteristics and attributes to them. But uh, what, what actually what the study says is that, uh, that different types of alcohol don't affect emotions. You know, we took a poll in the room, and the majority of people said that I would think that different types of alcohol has effect on your emotions. So somebody gave an example of like, well, late at night... You know, this somebody I know has has a glass of of red wine, and it makes her sleepy, and uh, and so there's that. But at the that same person I know also 
has tequila, and when she has tequila, uh, it makes her more energetic. It makes her more of a partier. And, and this is just one example of a couple that we talked about. Uh, but what we what we actually realized through this, or what I realized through studying this, is is actually that the drinks themselves do not have an effect on emotion other than just the simple chemistry of alcohol, ethanol in general. Um, but the different types of alcohol, different types of spirits specifically, do not have an effect on our emotions. But it's our expectations and our experiences, actually. So people associate different alcohols with different emotions. So what happened was there was this study done in 1985 where they where they gave some people just straight up vodka um, in a glass, about five, a, a small a small selected group uh, of people that regularly um, drink alcohol and they, they, they filled a glass with vodka and they said, here you go. And they, and they gave them a couple, like four or five glasses of vodka. And with the other people, what they did is they, they gave them a little bit of vodka and a lot of some sort of like tasteless, different mixer. Um, I can't remember what it was off the top of my head, but it was, it was a, it was something like, uh, like water or club soda or something like that. And they mixed a little bit of vodka in with that. It, but so that they mixed still the vodka that way, uh, they would still have the taste and smell of vodka. And what they wound up doing was, uh, the people that had the less vodka wound up having the same reactions as the people that had glassfuls, the people that had nothing but vodka because of the placebo effect. Now, if you're unfamiliar with the placebo effect, the placebo effect essentially says, um, if I give you a sugar pill and say that it's Tylenol, you're going to think that you're feeling better because psychologically there's that. So if I give, if I give, if I, if I, if you and I were standing here, we both have headaches and somebody um, somebody gave me a Tylenol and somebody gave you a sugar pill that looked the exact same and you didn't know there was any difference, your brain would automatically think, oh, this is a Tylenol and it's going to help me feel better, even though it's nothing but a simple sugar pill, even though it's, it, it doesn't actually have an effect on on the body. It's it's a placebo. It's It's something that does nothing to the body but tricks our brain into thinking that we're we're ingesting something that is helpful and so we respond as if we believe that something is helpful so with the with the with the vodka example uh the people that had less were told that they were having vodka and so they understood that and they and they took uh, and they and they had it and in their head all they thought was just this is vodka they weren't thinking that it was mixed um and so so it wound up being a really interesting study. So here were the takeaways from what exactly uh, that study meant. And of course, there were some more tests on that was just the most uh, most prominent example. But uh, what what they actually studied is that there is a difference in in a couple of different types of 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 let's say environments. So um, it makes a very big difference of where you drink and how that affects your emotions. So think about where the alcohol was consumed. If it's at home it's a little bit, you're probably going to have a different reaction than like, let's say you're at a nightclub or if you're out at a bar, especially during sports season or something like that, that has an effect on, um, on, on your emotions, alcohol related, uh, the environment that you're in specifically. So again, not necessarily home versus club, but like if it's a cozy, relaxed environment or if it's an energetic environment. So again, like a nightclub is a little bit more energetic, but uh, a sports bar on, on, you know, Iowa city kickoff is, is just, kind of crazy um 
uh, or if you're at uh, if you got a lounge that's a little bit more relaxed, maybe there's some smooth jazz going on in the background. They're all different types of environment. And the other, the other thing that affects us is the people that we're around. If we're in a group or if we're alone, all these things psychologically have an effect on our emotions because of the involvement of alcohol. So if you're drinking uh, alone or if you're drinking with a group of friends, that has an effect on the on on your reaction emotionally. To alcohol. So the other thing is that uh, our expectations have shaped our reactions. So think about this. Have you ever had a food that you absolutely loved and then you found out what was in it and you absolutely hate it now? A very common example of this is haggis. Now haggis is a traditionally Scottish meal and anybody that I've heard that have actually tried it have said that it's it's really good. But the problem is fewer and fewer and fewer people try it because they find out what's in it before they actually try it um, because it's listed on the menu of what exactly it is. But um, when I went to Scotland a couple of years ago, my professor was living there for a couple of years and said, you gotta try haggis. And I said, cool, bring it on. And I was with a group of about eight people and out of the eight people, he just said, you just gotta not look up what it is and otherwise you won't eat it. And of course, they looked up what it was and nobody ate it. And I wasn't hungry enough to eat a whole one by myself, so I simply didn't eat any haggis, even though I really wanted to try it, despite knowing what was in it, because if everybody says about how great it is and experiencing new things in other cultures, I I think that that is something that, I, that's an experience that I wanted to try. But if you know your preconceived notion about what haggis is, so if you don't know what haggis is, it's actually um, a, a sheep's liver stuffed with several other things um, but the the main thing is a sheep's liver and a sheep's liver doesn't sound appealing to me i don't want to eat a sheep's liver but i've heard so many positive things about haggis that i want to try it. but our preconceived notion is that haggis is disgusting because it's in a sheep's liver even though we haven't actually tried it another example of this might be something like the hot dog do you remember how old you were and where you were when you realized what the hot dog was actually made out of when you realize that a hot dog is just the undesirable meats that are just discarded and processed and blended until they're fine and they're stuffed in, in a, a usually a pig's intestine and then they're wrapped that way. That a hot dog is literally just scraps of meat wrapped together in an intestine to, to hold it, its shape. Doesn't really make you want a hot dog right now, does it? And if you haven't heard that before, sorry to break it to you. Um, but at the same time, it has... A reputation for completely destroying something because of this preconceived notion and what happens is because we're not allowed to drink until we're 21 we have a lot of preconceived notions and our expectations can begin early you think about advertisements that you see on tv or in in movies or you see even just in movies see, uh, seeing people ex uh, have being exposed to alcohol or you have older friends that uh, are exposed or, or parents that are exposed uh, to you before you're legally able to drink. And what happens is these preconceived notions actually shape the way that we view alcohol. So we talked a little bit about, can you associate an alcohol with an emotion? And we came up with a list. Now, when I asked, what do you associate whiskey with? Now, people that said whiskey, uh, or the, the students that, that said whiskey said, I associate um, people that drink whiskey with anger and aggression, which is very common. And you attribute wine, especially red wine, with uh, with a very cozy, relaxed, um, lightly sophisticated, but generally like, you know, at the end of the day, a relaxing thing, usually, you know, particularly by, um, by a parent, right? 
Um, for for somebody that 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 drinks scotch or brandy, do you think of that to be a little bit more high class, a little bit more uppity up? Somebody in an office uh, setting, a, a CEO or COO or something like that, somebody that that has prestige and power. And for for something like tequila, you think of traditionally somebody that that parties a lot, somebody that is a little bit more wild, a little bit more engaging. For for, um, for vodka, we we also approached um, similar feelings with whiskey with, with hostility. Um, not so much aggression, though, but hostility. And so we talked about all these all these different things of alcohol. And what we realized is that these are not actually the case with alcohol. It's just our brain commonly perceives it because we've seen it interpreted so many different so consistently across the board. And there's a lot of different reasons for this. And honestly, some of them are think are reasons that, frankly, we're a little ashamed to admit as a society. And some of these are just simply. Um, something that is is not super known why exactly we did this maybe it was just must have been a technique and um, you know it's, especially since scotch and brandy seem to be a little bit more um, expensive of a drink than in general uh, you know that would be the thing that would be safe for the people that had the extra money so it's, sometimes it's, it's subliminal like that but people associate especially in America people associate vodka with people that are hostile because we know where vodka comes is most popular. We know that vodka is most popular in Russia. And because we live in the 21st century America, we associate Russia subconsciously with hostility because of the Cold War and, and the uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis and, and Stalin's rule in World War II. It's just something that we do subliminally that maybe we're not proud of, but we associate vodka because we associate Russia vodka with Russia and Russia with aggression. We associate vodka with aggression and violence. And, and, and it's just one of these... One of these things that it's this case for everything because we have seen in movies anytime somebody has tequila they always do something crazy along with that you never see somebody just do tequila just like they would have a beer and 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 uh, and with, with whiskey it's oftentimes somebody is drinking alone and it's oftentimes they wind up being somebody that's aggressive. It's one of those it's one of those weird things and and beer is so common that we have seen all varieties of different emotions of, of people having beer, both in real life and in media. And it winds up, beer is one of the one thing that we really can't put a label on, but because we've seen so much different, so many different ways of portraying that. And so really where the whole food for thoughts comes, comes into this is that we have all of these preconceived notions and specifically here about alcohol. And what I'm not trying to do on this is be an advocate for for excessive drinking or to, or to be an advocate for that but what i am trying to be an advocate for is is looking past your preconceived notions next time you're watching a piece of media notice what the character who's drinking whiskey is, is how how his emotional state is versus somebody that's having a glass of wine versus somebody that's having vodka versus somebody that is is having a, a glass of tequila just notice what their reactions are differently because it is so played and is so prominent in our culture that we associate these alcohols not because of our own experience but we have a placebo effect because of these things we've seen that in the movies when somebody has tequila they get wild therefore if i have tequila i get wild now again this doesn't play into the fact that certain alcohols do have certain different um different strengths associated with them you know, tequila is a lot more potent than a beer and so that definitely does play into it but at the same time if you have an, as much beer that would get you to the same blood alcohol level that one shot of tequila would do one or two shots of tequila would do for you then the same it, you don't have the same emotional state it, it's just something that has been boggling 
my mind since since I've learned about this stuff. And it's just one of those things that... Can you imagine what else we have preconceived notions about? Can you imagine any other aspect of our society that, that we just say, well, I associate this with this because of this, even though we ourselves have not necessarily made that connection. But society itself has made that connection. It's kind of a scary thought. I mean, if you could just think of... Of simply every time, you know, you'll see it in the movies now. Somebody's drinking a glass of whiskey, they're inevitably getting in a fight. And you're going to notice that now. But can you imagine if we started noticing that in everything? Think of how many things you can think of that have these preconceived notions attached to them that probably aren't true at all. So there's a little food for thought for you this week. Hey, thanks for checking us out and spending some time with us this week. Quick reminder, if you're a student at Iowa State, University of Northern Iowa, or University of Iowa, we would love to connect you with a campus minister. So reach out to ccf.uiowa at gmail.com, and we will make sure we get you connected. Be sure to specify your school in an email. Additionally, if you have questions about anything you've heard today or anything that's on your mind, we would love a chance to answer that here anonymously. So you can also just drop a line there. Again, that is ccf.uiowa at gmail.com. We hope Hope you have a great week and please know that we are praying for you.